You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 and receive a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit DizzyPigBBQ.com, D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. Use coupon KIME, that's K-E-I-M, and receive 20% off your order. Today, I talked to the new voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein. He grew up a fan of this franchise. Now he's calling their games. That's quite an awesome feeling. And I talked to Chris Capel, the owner of Dizzy Pig, about their spices, but also about some good barbecue tips. The barbecue season is in full swing, so take notes. Although I will say, to me, the barbecue season never ends. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com and you can listen to Bram on ESPN 630. In the coming days, I'll have a story on Dwayne Haskins, and late next week, I'll have one on Chase Young about all the qualities that make Washington excited about him. It goes way beyond just talent, and it always does. Before I get to my conversations, I just wanted to share a couple nuggets. First, on former Redskin Chris Cooley. One thing to note, the decision to remove him from the anal- as an analyst in the radio booth was not Julie Donaldson's decision. Cooley had known for a long while that he likely wasn't going to return. It wasn't quite official, which is why nothing was said. There was a little bit enough. There was enough of a confusion to the point where you weren't quite sure, and he wasn't quite sure. So that's why nothing was said. But this was not something Julie Donaldson came in and decided to do. I also know that Cooley wanted to coach, and if you remember a podcast I did with him more than a year ago, I believe it was in April of 2019, we talked at length about his desire to coach. Um, So that's been foremost on his mind. I know that was something he wanted to look at, that he has looked into doing, uh, whether with, with with the organization, with other teams. And I know that um, I, my guess is if there had been high school ball in Virginia, you may have seen him on the sidelines this fall helping to coach a team there too. So we'll see. But, but Julie didn't have an option of going back to him. And I'm going to miss seeing Chris at games and around the facility. I don't know their exact reasons why they wanted him out. It could be as simple as maybe they felt he was very close to the past regime and had a lot of access. I don't know. But I'm hoping Chris's voice will still be heard. I've learned a ton from him over the years on many things, and I hope to have him on here soon. Chris is a good guy, someone whom I've always enjoyed talking to. His film breakdowns have been tremendous. Um, He's somebody I have always liked talking to, going back to when he was a rookie, back way back when. um, I did a diary with him throughout the season. It was a lot of fun. I got to know him well, and I've continued to get to know him well because I've always enjoyed my conversations with him. I've also liked talking to D'Angelo Hall over the years, and he's going to be the new analyst. I saw a growth in his maturity as a person and as a player 
during his tenure here. He became very insightful over the years. I remember one time asking him about, this is in his last couple of years, but I asked him about covering uh, Calvin Johnson from the Lions and just the detail that he went into his plan against him and what he tried to do and, and what he saw in, in Johnson was, was something that I felt like, wow. I remember coming away from that conversation thinking, wow, he's really matured here with, with his preparation, with everything. And so, you know, I think he'll be able to bring that to the booth. And so we'll see. Next one. Uh, the Wall Street Journal wrote an article saying that the three Washington minority owners are pressuring Dan Snyder to sell. While that gets people excited, you need to know this. There's not much they can actually do to accomplish this goal. As one person told me, it doesn't matter what they think of him as a person. It still comes down to needing three-quarters of the owners to deem him unfit. That's the only way that you can get Dan Snyder to sell. But just pressuring him makes no difference if he doesn't want to sell. And he doesn't. Now, you can look at some of the filings that have been made. If you want to do a Google on Dan Snyder filings and lawsuits against the media companies, there is a belief in those filings that the that um, there's a tie-in to Dwight Shar and some of the rumors being that were spread about him prior to the Washington Post stories detailing the sexual harassment charges in the organization, and some and there were some reports about what it might what that story was going to say about Dan Snyder that none of that stuff was in there, none of that stuff was going to be in there. But those stories got out, the rumors got out. So I think this may be all tied in together. I don't know. You can make that, you can deduce that. But anyways, I would Google that, then go check that out if you want to know more about that. Next one. We've had a couple Zoom interviews this week, including with quarterback Dwayne Haskins, and a topic that jumped out with him was leadership. He was not a leader last year, not even close. But one of his biggest steps this offseason involved leadership. Now, I sometimes think, some hear that and think it's about getting in guys' faces, doing things like that. No, it's about handling your business among other grown men. That's what Haskins discussed. He knew he had to take a different approach. And I think if you heard the Bryson Spinner interview on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and I would suggest going back and listening to that, he talked about that as well. Haskins knew he had to put in extra work and then show more command in the huddle. Guys take you serious when you put in the work. Combine that with productivity and your voice becomes more amplified. But it starts with putting in the work. If you're in guys' faces and not doing that, nobody's going to listen. They'll roll their eyes at you. I know that. I've seen it. I don't know whether or not Haskins should now be voted captain. I don't want to make this huge leap and right now say he's a big leader on the team. I don't know that. They just started back. So, but I do know that in the offseason, he took more steps toward becoming one. And then he said it's a goal of his to become a captain. I think it's a good one because at his position, it should be. Why? Because it suggests a level of respect for what he's been doing because it would be his teammates voting him into that role. It's also not something you force or lobby for, and I don't think he'd do that. I know at Ohio State, he was not viewed as a strong leader until late in his last season there. It was always Terry McLaurin's leadership that those coaches talked about. And as we move forward here, I think McLaurin's leadership will rub off on others, especially Haskins. McLaurin understands leadership, and he's a very mature guy. Even McLaurin said he liked how it was Haskins who organized those off-season workout sessions with the receivers. That was a good step. And I also like something ESPN analyst Dan Olofsky said recently about Haskins and how he'll measure his season. 
For him, it's not about the stats, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. Rather, it'll be about how he handles the season. They'll be in tough situations as an organization. He doesn't have a ton of weapons around him, so that makes his job tougher. They could struggle early as a team. How does Haskins handle it? If he continues to do his job, prepare, stay upbeat, stay a leader, it'll go a long way toward knowing what his future holds. It'll show his leadership and his mental toughness. Those are traits you can build upon. I also liked Haskins' answer when, when he was asked about Darius Geis' situation. He had not yet talked to him but said, quote, I'm praying for him in this situation, hoping that the female is okay as well. It's unfortunate, but I'm more wrapped up in football right now in training camp and making sure my mind is right. I hope the best for everyone in that situation. It's unfortunate, end quote. Yes, it is. Finally, there won't be any fans at games this year unless the situation with the virus improves. Fans at any Washington games. Washington was the first team to pull its scouts off the road at the start of the pandemic and one of the first to shut down its facility. Dan Snyder has taken this one very seriously. It'll be odd without fans. I enjoyed interacting with some of you at games that I got to meet, but it's more about the atmosphere. Fans make it fun and add to the intensity of the game. That's why I kind of sucked at home games the last couple years. Fans have been staying away for whatever reason, and the atmosphere has been bad. Now, I will say, they keep showing up on the road. It's also up to the organization to give fans a reason to attend like they used to. It's way too expensive and too time-consuming to go there and see an inferior product week after week. We're not far removed from those days. I know my pal J.P. Finley wrote the other day that perhaps, for NBC Sports Washington, that perhaps not having fans this year will be an okay thing for this team. They're going to go through growing pains. Even with some changes viewed as positive, it takes time. They were 3-13 and and have a young quarterback, a young roster, not enough weapons or at least questions about their weapons, and a pandemic damaged the offseason. It's not ideal. Rather than be subjected to boos or half-filled stadiums and questions about that, this group can go through a quiet building process at home. If fans see improvement in the second half this year, the next year perhaps you'll see it will see a return to a mostly filled stadium and fans would have missed the hard part of 2020 and the team would have been subjected to what goes along with that. That's it from me. Now, here's my conversation with the new voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Now, 
This is a weird phrase for me to say, but I am joined by the new play-by-play voice of the Washington football team, my good friend, Bram Weinstein. Bram, that's an awesome phrase to for me to say. What's it sound like for you to hear that? Uh, it's, um, it's still pretty emotional to be honest with you. Like I was the kid who pretended to be Frank Herzog and obviously I covered the team with you for a long time and I've been in and around them and they've kind of been like family to me. Um, I not sure that I've outside of my family that I've cared about anything more than this team. So there's, there's kind of an unreal, you know, aspect to it. And it's been, um, I've had to hang on to a secret because I've kind of known this was going to happen for like 10 days. And we wanted to coordinate an announcement. And um, so I felt like all week I've been like wanting to explode. But now that it's out there, it's, it's like a relief and it's it's good. It's incredible. When, when do you remember first, like, you know, you say when you grow up, you want to be Frank Herzog. When do you remember that really kind of taking hold? And, and what I remember, listen, I remember seeing stories about like Jack Buck you know, Joe Buck's dad being in the bleachers at Cleveland Stadium pretending to do play-by-play. Did you do anything like that? But when do you remember this first becoming something you wanted to do? I mean, earliest memories. Like, I, you know, I, I was I was a turn down the TV, turn up the radio kid, and I would listen to, listen to Frank, Sonny, and Sam. And um, Sundays in our house were very important to us. Um, when the game was on, it stopped and we would scream at the TV when Jimmy the Greek would pick against the Redskins and, um, I'd put on my Gary Clark Jersey or Art Monk Jersey or whatever it was. And me and my father, and when my brother and sister were around and my mom, we would sit there and we were locked in and we'd watch the game. And it was just a very, very important thing in our household. And, um, you know, wanting to be, it's strange. Like I teach classes now at American university, which is my, um, alma mater, and I often tell them, I go, you know, the first day I ask, what do you want to do? Because I find out what their majors are and because I teach a core class. So there's a lot of different majors in it. And I ask them what do they want to do. And, you know, the vast majority, even in college, don't know exactly what they want to do. And I always right. tell them I was one of the lucky ones. Like when I was a child, I knew exactly what it was that I wanted to do. And it not only was it to be in sports broadcasting, but it was to be attached to this sport and this team. And I've been very fortunate to have um shows here that you know are largely based on what they do day to day i was really fortunate to be part of the broadcast crew for a couple of years in the late uh in the early first decade of the 2000s right because i was the sideline reporter you know with um larry and at that point sunny and sam you know so i had i actually had the opportunity to work with them and um and now this and so this one is um this one's amazing. I mean, this is this is really hard to describe and to put into words, um, but it is literally a dream come true. There, there's a there's also you know guys in your role, people in your role become like family to the listeners too. I mean, there's um what's what's the sense of like I don't know if it's responsibility and and the burden that comes with this job. I mean, I would imagine it's because it's such a unique position and. And, you know, only you're the third person in however long to hold this spot. 1979. And that yeah. doesn't, um, that doesn't like, I, I thought about that. In fact, like when Julie Donaldson had asked me, you know, can you give me a quote for our press release? The first thing that came to mind was saying, there's only been two people that have done this since 1979. Right. And it is with, you know, incredible privilege and honor that I'm the next person in that line, that I realize how important that is. And, you know, like I said, 
Um, when I, I was fortunate to have tickets to RFK when I was a kid. And so I got to go to a lot of the games during a heyday and a golden era. So I got to be part of the, the best times in the franchise's history, like up close and personal. And um, I agree with you. There is a burden here. Yeah. Um, and but, you know, I, what I want to say mostly mainly to people is I'm you, you know, the fans like I trust me, I'm you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I grew up as big a fan as this team is possible. Um, you know, frankly, when I went to ESPN, it was nice to just be a fan again for a little while. Like you know, when right. you're there and behind the curtain and you're part of it, um, you get a whole new viewpoint of it. And it kind of sucks a little bit of the fandom out of it when it's a job covering them. Right. Um, and now, you know, I, I really get to, to ultimately root for them, which is my favorite part of this. And I'm really excited to get started. Like we're, we're not going to do this in a traditional sense. And I can't really be specific because I don't know what those specifics are. We haven't really gotten started yet. But what you're used to hearing as a traditional broadcast, we're not approaching it that way. Like, we want to make this a wide tent again. Like, it's it's no secret that there has been a diminishing of the fan base, you know, to right. whatever degree that is, you know, through the years. Like, the things that were happening with attendance at FedEx Field a year ago, I never in my wildest dreams ever thought I would see that, you know, like, because mm-hmm. I just I know what this, t- what this team means to this community. You know, they are really lifeblood of the community. Um, I love the fact that the Caps and the Nationals are, are performing so well and winning over the last few years. But I like tell anybody who's younger that didn't experience this team being good, you don't know what this town's like when they win right. and win consistently. You don't know what it's like. And I'm hoping, you know, that one day we'll get back to that position. And I'm hoping this new coach is going to help install some of that. And if I happen to be a small part of it in, you know, currying that message, it's a blessing honestly. And, you know, I, I do feel like, and, you know, I'm actually uncomfortable doing interviews like this because from here forward, I I'm, I'm excited and I'm so happy that people are, you know, willing to give me time to talk about my feelings about it. But from here forward, this is about the team. Like, I don't want this ever to be about me. You know, I, I want it to be about, you know, how the team fares on the field and hopefully they win a lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing too, that you talk about being a fan, but you're also, you've never been a blind homer. And, you know, when you're on the radio, you will criticize them. You're not a blind homer. How do you balance that? And in your role as a play-by-play, I mean, because, you know, you're also not there to necessarily root for them either. You're really there to describe the action. But how do you balance all that in this role? Uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think of them, like I kind of said, like family. And um, who doesn't have a fight at Thanksgiving? <laughs> 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 you know, I, I think like, you know, I, I think tough love is fine and I'm going to get it too. You know, I know that like I'm going to be criticized in this job by people and I'm, I'm hope it comes from the, the place of it's they care about the franchise and they want to see, you know, the best broadcast possible for them. Um, so I think it's fair as long as it's I always kind of live by the as long as it's not personal and it never is personal for me. Um, reporting the news is reporting the news. And talking about what you see is talking about what you want to what you see. Like it's funny. Like this off season, um, I'm I'm watching what Dwayne Haskins is doing, and he's transforming his body, and he's clearly buying in, and everybody's saying all the right things about him. But I know what I saw when he played last year, and I know there's a long way to go. And I really hope that he turns out to be a great NFL quarterback, and I get to be part of that rise with him. But like for the purpose of this conversation, to be a realist until we see a difference in his play, you know, 
we don't know that he's going to ascend to that. And I know, you know, the team's Twitter feed doesn't want to hear that. You know, they want to hear he's going to be the MVP and we don't want to hear anything right. different than that. I think being a realist matters. And I also feel like this fan base, there are many around the NFL, but this one in particular, having grown up in it, they're extremely educated about the NFL. They're extremely educated about the team. They know what you they'll call you out so fast if they if you act like you either don't know what you're talking about or you're sugarcoating something that is obvious and plain to everyone. And I think that's another thing I like about this and being part of this is I know how locked in everybody is, how important every game is, how knowledgeable everybody is. And I want them to know I'm one of them. Like I see the same things you do. You know, it's just my job to try to, you know, paint a picture for everybody. And it's really just an honor to do it. And I think after, to be honest, after two decades of not much success and a lot of, um, false hopes for fans. I don't think you should be in the business of sugarcoating anything at this point. Now, you don't have to rip them in a certain, you know, make it personal like that. But I don't think you can fool a lot of people and paint a picture that they know might not be realistic, especially after what they've been through, however, the last however many years. Yeah, I mean, listen, I want them to win too. Like in the end, I want them to win, <laughs> right? Right. But- like there's there's no sugarcoating three and thirteen, you know. There's no sugarcoating, you know, firing a coach in the middle of the season and then president of the team is gone. And there's a lot of things that are changing. You know what is exciting about you know this right at this moment? I really couldn't ask for a better time to be asked to do this. Um, everything is changing. The name has changed. There's a new coach. There's a young quarterback here. There's a lot of people in the building that are going to be different. You know, right. over the next year or two. Everything about this is new and fresh and different. And, you know, what I talked to Julie about and what I talked to some others in the building about, you know, initially was, you know, I I really do believe it is important. And I think Dan Snyder fought for the name because of this, that this is a proud, traditional, nostalgic franchise. And, you know, the name had to be changed, but you don't want to lose that. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of history attached to them. And I hope I can bridge that, you know, being a middle-aged person who loved this team, loves this team, and who, you know, has an extreme attachment to its history and its name for that matter. I think it like it feels like for me, this is the right time to, as we move forward, to rebrand, reposition ourselves, hopefully be attractive to younger to a younger fan base and a whole new crop of fans that I can bridge the gap with the older people, because I know the history of this team. I know it through and through. It runs through my blood. And I think that's important as we move forward to not drop everything that happened for the last almost 90 years to become whatever they're going to become and whatever their name's going to be. And, and absolutely. And I think the other thing too, I wanted to, the challenge of getting people to listen to the radio now compared to even a few years ago given the streaming and all that that's available, what is the challenge there? So, um, you know, I think the biggest challenge really is COVID has people out of their cars, you know, right. like, largely, you know, this is, serves an audience that either can't be in front of the television or, um, you know, or wants to listen in the stadium or wants to listen to it, you know, alongside the television. But it is a lot of people that either, are working or, you know, happen to be in their car that day and wanted to tune in. So we know who we're servicing with the radio broadcast. You know, I, I think like as we modernize here, streaming, this is going to matter, um, which means the presentation is going to be different. It's going to be more social. It's going to be more inclusive. Um, it is not going to be, I don't think, you know, I could tell you more about it when we start working on it, but I don't believe it is going to be 
the literal traditional format that you are accustomed to. That said, you know, we do need to service the audience that cannot see what's happening in front of them because they're, you know, it's on the radio. So we have to call the plays and we have to tell them what's happening and we have to explain and describe everything. But for the streamed version of it, I think what you're going to see is something that's more organic, conversational. Hopefully we'll build some chemistry and hopefully it'll be something that's a little more modern, you know, that incorporates a lot of the new parts of sports media. I would imagine at some point fantasy gaming, potentially gambling when those things get uh, legalized. And then we want it to be a social aspect. If you watch Twitch, who um, has, you know, garnered enormous audiences in the esports space, because this is where a lot of young viewers are putting their attention. You know, we can't emulate that. This isn't this isn't esports. This is real sports, right? And there is a, an audience that needs to be serviced that wants to hear a traditional esque broadcast of a game, and we're going to give them that. But we do want to modernize enough to kind of welcome in younger people and say, we know how you want to engage with content. We want you here with us, and so we're going to work with you to make this the type of broadcast that's inclusive. Um, to everybody and hopefully modern. And I, you know, in my initial conversations with Julie, when she kind of said a lot of those things, I was all on board with it. Like for me, I'm like, I, this is the perfect time. I, I am not a traditional play-by-play host. I am way more right. of someone who's very conversational in general. I'm excited to call a touchdown for sure. You know, like that's, it, it, you know, it's beyond words to describe that I'm going to call touchdowns, you know, as the voice of the team. Right. But largely, um, what we're going to do is probably going to fit more of my skill sets of being a host. And I really, really, you know, I think that I think fans are going to end up really liking it. And um, I do think it's the right approach as we go into a new era where the radio is not something that's utilized by a lot of people any longer, um, that we want to give people a second scream experience so that they are literally feel like they're really involved with the team and outside of the national broadcast. And so we're going to toggle that. And it's probably going to take a year or two to really figure out what the sweet spot is for that. But I think we're thinking about it. And Julie's really thinking about it the right way. And, and that's what I was going to ask you, too, because you don't have that play-by-play background that, that a lot of others would have had in this role. So that's, you know, that's, that's the way you can make up for that is by the hosting stuff. So, is, is, you know, but you still have to prepare for play-by-play, too. Yes. Because that is, a, you know, so how do you do that? So I haven't done this since I was hanging out with you at Ashford every day, but I actually started reading the NFL rule book. I haven't done that in a long time. I need to do that because there's that, you know, I used to know it back and forth when I covered the team daily because I wanted to be able to be educated on it. I really need to know that now. So I've started that. Um, I've already started looking at old games and just kind of playing around. Um, now that the everything is done and it's been announced, um, Julie, I, and D'Angelo are going to get together and we're going to um, do some mock games together at some point to try to, you know, for, for even for all of us, even if we had the fullest confidence, it'll be fine. I still think it's important to get together, you know, and talk sure. and do a couple of these and get on the same page with one another. And, you know, as far as the play-by-play stuff goes, you know, like, no, I don't have a deep background in it. And um, I did call a bunch of games, college basketball for ESPN. I did call... American University games, which is my alma mater, their basketball. So this is new for me. I'm not going to pretend I have a deep experience in it. This is very new for me. But um, I, I've told a couple others, I'll tell you this. Um, when I was hired by ESPN to be an anchor, I had never anchored a television show either. So, you know, and within a short right. period of time, you know, I was 
doing that. Like I, when I was working with you, I was a radio reporter and I was a guest like you are. I was a right. guest basically a lot of different shows. Right. And I'll never forget. Like when I got called up to ESPN, my agent told me they want to, you know, you know, interview you and, and audition you as an anchor. And I laughed at him. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not going to get that job. I've never done that before. Um, so, right. you know, I really like, I agree with you. Like there's going to be a learning curve and it's, um, that part of it, but that part of it actually doesn't really make me nervous. Like I, I know football, I can describe it. Um, getting into a pattern of delivery might take a little bit of time, but I'm so beyond want this to be great that I am going to work at it very, very hard. And hopefully in the, in, you know, in a short period of time, I'll get into a flow. Like you get into doing sure. reports. Like, you know, Absolutely. like for a while there, you know, you were a writer for a long time. And then all of a sudden you were on television right. writing, writing that 10 to 15, 30 second lead in before you go into the package. That's a skill set. You know, it takes yeah. a minute to do it right. And so I, I'll get this right. But I, you know, I will ask for a little bit of patience with it. Last, last thing, Bram, what is, you know, you let's go back to where we started, which is the early fandom. What's your favorite earliest memory of, of being a fan of this franchise? I went to the parade after they won their first Super Bowl. So that was really, I mean, that, and I, there's pictures somewhere of it. It was pouring outside and they were in buses and, you know, because it was just pouring. But I remember school being canceled because they'd won the Super Bowl. And it ought to tell you how yeah. important they are to the community. Um, there are pictures my mother recently found of me at Carlisle as a child, like hugging Joe Jacoby and trying to chase down Joe Gibbs. Um, and I think like, you know, I really, I, I think I kind of just go back to, well, going to RFK. I mean, that was a real treat. Like my, one of my friends who lived on my block, his grandparents had season tickets and fortunately they had four tickets and his older brother hated football and didn't want to go to the games. And so I was able to go with my friend and his grandparents <laughs> to, wow. to the football games at RFK. And that's, that's sheer luck, you know, that there really is. And we had incredible seats and I'm sitting there going to, I went to the NFC championship game against the Vikings, things like that. Like oh, wow. I was there and, you know, drove through the city on the way home after they were going to the Super Bowl, And you could just see the joy on people's faces and, you know, I hope we have a glory day era again. I'm hoping Ron Rivera can help shepherd that in. I'm hoping Dwayne Haskins is going to be the answer for them at quarterback. They haven't had one in a long time. And right. I love what I see on the defensive side of the ball for the first time in a long time. They have the what looks like the building blocks of a really good defensive front. You know, so I'm I'm excited about it. I don't want to get too carried away with it, but I'm excited about it. And, um, you know, I do in a lot of ways the last couple of days, I feel like a kid again. Awesome. Bram, thanks a lot. Congratulations and look forward to hearing you. On, well, I was seeing you at game because I probably, <laughs> I'll be at the game. So we'll see you at the yeah. game. So, but I'm looking forward to you at games. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Maybe it might be a year, but yeah, we'll see you soon. <laughs> so, but anyway, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. After this break, I'll be back with the owner of Dizzy Pig Barbecue, Chris Capel. Yes, we talk about Dizzy Pig and their spices. When I grill or cook in the kitchen, I usually like to grind my spices fresh. The ones I make at home just taste better. But I've changed my strategy up a bit to use Dizzy Pig Craft Seasonings. 
Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the Barbecue Tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Among the ones I've really enjoyed, the Raging River and Wonderbird. Both are excellent on chicken. The Cow Lick is amazing on beef, and their popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. But with 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 20% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIM, that's K-E-I-M, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y Pig BBQ.com. Now I'm very happy to be joined by Chris Capel, owner of Dizzy Pig Barbecue. And as you know, they're a sponsor, but they're also somebody whose products I really enjoy. And Chris, the one thing that jumps out to me is a lot of people that I know who I respect in the barbecue industry, when anytime they tell, oh yeah, Dizzy Pig, I love them. So that's why like, I wanted to have you on too and to talk to you because there's so many people that you run into that like your products. And I know this is going to sound like an infomercial, but it's true. Like, how have you been able to build that sort of following? You know, we're talking Danielle Bennett, Tailgate Ted, you know, Nick Sunberg, Keith Ismail, you know, a new Redskin or Washington rookie, already a fan. So, like, how have you been able to do that? Uh, well, I kind of I kind of like to think it's a, a combination of, of passion and values. When I first decided to start this business, I was a graphic artist right. in the gas grill. And um, so this is, I bought my first Big Green Egg in 1998, and that's my first experience with charcoal cooking, and that kind of took a life of its own. But when I decided to start the company, I knew that we had to have good values, that we had to have fun and, and good karma and take pride in our product. And even though pretty much everybody told me I needed to use a co-packer to pack the seasonings, that it, it really didn't make any sense to do it yourself because there's other companies out there that'll do it. Um, I knew that our product would be much better if we bought whole spices and ground them fresh. And um, so um, not a lot of people are doing that. And for a reason, it's, um, it's a lot of work. Right. It's, it's a lot of extra work to grind these spices, uh, to keep everything in stock and fresh and, and rotating the stock, but uh, we've kind of, you know, uh, we've stuck to that the whole time and we've had a lot of fun in the meantime. Um, I, I think a part of it too was that we got out on the professional competition right. circuit in 2002, right around the time that the company started. And my, and my whole thing there was I wanted to find out what the truth was because everybody's taught to lie to you about your cooking. Sure. Everybody's taught to say that it's good, even if it's not. <laughs> so, um, so, so that's kind of where it started. We had a, a lot of success on the circuit and, and met a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of, of, of passion and values and having fun at it. When you when you hear what people say too, and again when you know we had Danielle Bennett on a week or so ago, 
and she was very high on, on your products. When you hear people at that level talk about it like that, what does that mean to you? Oh, it, it's everything. I mean, but it's just as important that, you know, like normal people right. uh, uh, try this stuff and, and they want to put it on their food again. And that just means a lot to me. I always thank people for, for like sprinkling our stuff on their hard-earned food. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, but no, I, I love it. Uh, when people of high, of high stature, um, love our product and I'm really, uh, 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 well, I'm fortunate to have met a lot of these people. Right. Um, uh, um, Tuffy Stone is a good friend of mine and, you know, and, and like a lot of these people have, have their own products, but sure. they still have nice things to say about ours. And, uh, that, that means the world to me for sure. And what is it that makes you, it all worthwhile? What is it that you enjoy about because like, you guys do come up with a lot of different spices? What do you enjoy about the you know creating different spices and just the whole barbecue experience? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's amazing to be able to do this, and I'm fortunate in, uh, to have a palate that enables me to kind of envision flavors. Uh, it's a lot like what I did as a graphic artist, actually. In, in that, but instead of, of working with shapes and colors, I'm working with flavors. Um, but it's a lot like what I did over the last, you know, over 20 years as a graphic artist was I'm creating things that look nice, which is rewarding for me. And uh, now I'm just doing it with flavors. So it's really similar to that. And, um, and the whole barbecue thing and, and cooking in general, um, it's just a rewarding thing to be able to cook food, you know, that everybody loves. Sure. It, it, it keeps me going. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it's very true. Like, but you do have a, a wide range of spices. Do you have, I know there's some that have been there from the beginning, but do you have a couple you know, I'm sure everybody asks you, it's probably like asking what, who's your favorite child, but do you have a couple of personal <laughs> favorite spices that you like? These are my go-to spices. Oh, I do. Actually, um, our Raging River. I like that is one. A it's a seasoning that I designed specifically for salmon. So we already had our Dizzy Dust as our all-purpose. It's our flagship original like seasoning. Right. Uh, a lot like a, you know, with a barbecue flavor um yeah raging river I, I wanted to design something specifically for salmon because mm. um, i wanted to eat more myself and you know, i know a lot of people are eating are eating like salmon because it's really good for right. you um and so, so so i designed this thing specifically for salmon not realizing that i was really uh, creating the most versatile rub that we have, I think. And um, I love that stuff. It, I, I tell everybody it's, it, it's my desert Island, huh. uh, you know, you know, seasoning. If I was on a desert Island, I could only have one of our seasonings that that would probably be the one. I, but, um, I like it on chicken a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of our stuff is really good on chicken. Yeah. You have also the other thing too that I that I'm intrigued by, and this is why I like having Danielle on too, is the creative recipes that come up. And I know you have some as well. What you know, you have there's the grilled chicken spaghetti, and I think you also there's like a um, sweet and spicy. The and I know this is on the website too, but I saw these and like they appeal to me. The sweet and spicy, the lemon, the mahi mahi. What is 
what's the what's is there a recipe that you like you know that is feel like kind of taps into that sort of creativity a little bit more than others oh yeah actually there's a lot of them um i i did a uh a a a a brisket and shiitake stroganoff really um that's actually you know there's a lot of of steps to it but it's just amazingly delicious and um you know i thought that was pretty creative um god i wish i had a list of our recipes i've done so many over the years there's uh i think it's under our valentine's recipes is a 20-step stew uh that we have that is actually just incredible and it takes a lot of time and a lot of steps but uh it incorporates a lot of what I've learned about cooking over the years. Um, and of course our competition, uh, uh, recipes took a lot of time to create and a lot of uh, creativity and those, and I've got all those on the website now and they're not like secret anymore. I'm telling right. everybody exactly what we've been doing in competitions. There's a competition, uh, pork and brisket and rib, uh, uh, all those recipes are on our site and uh they they took a quite a bit of time and and and, and like adjusting to get to where they are now oh i'm sure and then let me let me go back to the grilled chicken spaghetti because that just is intriguing to me what did you like about because i think you use the mediterranean um spice on that one what is it how did you come up with that and like why did you want to pair that the way you did i actually think that was uh was submitted by one of our customers. Oh, so okay. I wish I could answer that, but we actually have quite a few, uh, probably half of, of the recipes on on our site were submitted by our customers. <clears throat> that, that's pretty cool. That, and then, like I said, that's what yeah. I want to. I definitely want to try that one because it's just different, and I like different. Um, with the competition recipes, what was the difference? Because you know, when I'm watching some of those competition shows. And you'll hear you'll hear some of the competitors saying, "Well, if I was just doing this over here, I wouldn't be doing this step. I wouldn't be adding this." But for the competition, right. you know, they need it. What is the big difference there? Well, the big uh, like the big thing there is is like the judges are judging uh, um, like six entries for each category, and they're judging four to five categories, and sometimes six if there's a dessert category. So they have to eat a lot of food. They're only going to take a couple bites. Right. And it's right next to what somebody else is doing. So they just had, a, 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 you know, a rib that like somebody else cooked with whatever sauce, whatever flavors on it. They got all that going on in their mouth. Now they have to go on to the next one and cleanse their palate. Uh, hopefully, a lot of them really don't like, cleanse their palate. So unfortunately, like, your stuff like doesn't really right. taste like it should. But you have to make a lot of, of like adjustments because they're only going to try one or two bites and you got to hit them. So it's more know, just right. More getting a little bit more, you know, if it's a rib, more, a little bit more sauce on there than maybe if like somebody who's normally yeah, a dry rib. Salt, more, yeah, exactly. And, and salt is really important too. There's a secret for anybody that's going to compete. Well, that, Don't be shy on the salt. Okay. Well, and that, that's another one. What would be if you have like the, the weekend warrior barbecuer? What what would be a couple of good tips for them that you would you know, over the years that you learned they'd say if you're doing you know here are some good tips to keep in mind for whether it's you know the heat keeping the heat or you know what how you know the coming up with the rubs what would be some good tips for them? 
I'm sorry, I teach like classes here. We haven't been doing them right. lately, but uh, uh, we teach like regular classes here, and I really enjoy, um, you know, sharing my passion for cooking uh, 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 um, with my students. But um, um, you know, I tell them to relax. Um, a lot of these people are really uptight and they're trying to follow a recipe. They're trying to, to keep their temperatures exactly what the recipe says and they think it's going to happen. Right? It's not going to happen that way. No. So, you know, like I to, to, to not be too caught up in what the thermometer says, pay more attention to how the food is cooking, right. you know, and use all your senses and, and trust all your senses. I mean, I mean, smell the smoke that's coming out of the cooker. If it doesn't smell right, don't put your food on it because <laughs> your food is going to taste. Your food is going to taste like that. The smoke really, um, you know, um, using smoke is one of the most the most misunderstood things I think about uh, about grilling and barbecue uh, in general. Um, you know, you need to use it like a spice. Right. Um, a lot of people just put way too much smoke on. The smoke might be too strong. They 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 like soak their wood chips, but don't soak your wood chips. It's just going to take longer for them to burn cleanly, and the smoke is not going to smell good. Right. Um, until right. it's you know really burning clean. Um, so that's a lot of what I teach people: just relax, enjoy the process. Um, and learn from each cook and make it your own recipe, you know, because you're never going to be able to follow a recipe and have it come out exactly like that. You need to make your adjustments and then it becomes your recipe, right. which is great. It, it's the way it should be. It is. And I think that's one of the fun things with barbecuing. Like I'll take a recipe that I found and then I'll see something that was done on, let's say, a barbecue pitmaster show or something I read somewhere else. And try and incorporate that to see how it comes along. And you, then you realize that, okay, these are the things that work for me. And this is where it's getting it to taste good. And it's really combining different things. And that's why I like it. To me, barbecuing is it's there's a constant quest for more, to do more, to do better. But I, it's what I enjoy about it. So, and I, you know, do, right. you, do you have a, do you have, for the last thing here, Chris, but do you have a go-to recipe? If you're coming out there on a Saturday saying, I've, Today I'm going to do this, and I'm I'm going to do whatever. What, what's your go-to recipe or 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 meat that you would cook? Um, well, for me, it's chicken. Um, any kind of chicken. I love cooking chicken. I've always loved cooking chicken, um, and uh, whether it's wings or thighs or boneless, skinless breast, uh, which is a totally unique item. There, the boneless, right? The like, breast is the most overcooked meat. Uh, in, in 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 history, <laughs> I think more uh, yeah more chicken breast is overcooked than any other thing. But it's chicken for me. I, I love chicken. Um, I got a tick bite that made me allergic to to mammal meat, and um, right. which which really kind of you know like stinks in my business. Right. I, I really miss having a hamburger. But um, anyway, more and more people are getting that. But I got to avoid mammals now, so. So chicken's even more prominent in my life, uh, but I love cooking a lot of stuff, and I'm just one that likes to change up. You know, it, it, all depending on what's fresh. If if I got good fresh mushrooms, I just found some oyster mushrooms mm. in the woods the other day. I grilled them up. Uh, you know, I love cooking all kinds of stuff. 
How about desserts? Any desserts that you like to cook more? I'm not a big dessert guy. I do a lot of grilled pineapple. Yeah, I like that. They, you know, it has our pineapple head. Yeah. Uh, 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 um, we have a seasoning called pineapple head, which I made yes. for, you know, for grilling fruits. And it turns out people are using it on everything. But I love to grill pineapple and, you know, a, a couple of scoops of vanilla ice cream and I'm a happy camper. Um, I'm not a big dessert guy. Well, very good. Chris, listen, I appreciate your time. Enjoy talking to you. I always I think people who listen to me know how much I enjoy talking barbecue. So I do appreciate you coming on and talking about busy, Dizzy Pig and, and just sharing some of your secrets. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks so much for having me. That's it for this week. Don't forget to support our sponsors, Lono Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue. And as always, thank you for listening. We still have a long road ahead, folks. I made this offer before and some took me up on it. But if you know someone who is struggling because of all that's going on and could use a quick diversion, have them hit me up on Twitter at John underscore Kine. That's K-E-I-N. Talk to you next time.